Regardless, if you spent your night reading or watching the Super Bowl, you may feel uh, a little lethargic. Uh, let's see how the coach is feeling on this uh, Monday, the day after the night that was. Tim Cunningham joins us now on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Coach, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pumped, Jeff, because, uh, and my two sons will, will uh, back me up on this. At uh, the end of August, I picked Kansas City to beat Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Wow, nice. Okay. <laughs> So no, you, you, you called it. You just didn't have the right opponent, but you called right. it. And I am the worst prognosticator in the world. So this is like uh, this is like I've won the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, listen, I knew San Francisco was in trouble. They were in big, big trouble when they had the lead going into the fourth quarter because <laughs> I don't know what it is about this Chiefs team, but boy, do they ever love to come from behind, Coach. Well, you know, actually, uh, I felt going into the fourth quarter, the game was over. Uh, Chiefs had a great comeback against uh, Houston and then uh, Tennessee, both double digits. But the difference this time, I felt, was that uh, they were just starting to lose their composure a bit. There was some arguing on the sidelines, on the field, the the defense, the guys were arguing with one another, and you didn't see that in the last couple of games. And and that did not give me a ton of confidence. But uh, when they get the ball back, in the fourth quarter with eight minutes left. And we were, we were all, everybody that's watching the game with me said, this is the ball game right here. And they go down and score. And then on the ensuing kickoff, they hold San Francisco to a three and out. And that's when the tide really turned. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes did, uh, well, Patrick Mahomes things at the uh, end of the game in the uh, fourth quarter. He is the MVP of the Super Bowl at only 24. Yeah. And really he is kind of the face of the league, it seems, uh, moving forward here, Coach. Well, for sure, and he had a great eight-minute segment there, but I didn't think he was even the MVP on his offense. Uh, He threw two interceptions yesterday. He seemed to be off for for a good part of the game. I thought, actually, quite honestly, I thought Tariq Hill was the MVP of the game. Uh, Nine balls, caught nine balls for over 100 yards, and even if you look at their rushing game, Damian Williams uh, rushed for over 100 yards. So, um, you know, uh, he was, Mahomes was there when it counted, but but uh, I thought he struggled a lot at times, and I don't. And I know it's you know it's a quarterback award basically, saying you're going to give it to the winning quarterback. But I thought there are a couple other guys on that team that deserved it ahead of him. And kind of interesting too, it was offense and this offensive spurt at the end of the game from the Chiefs that uh, puts them over the top, and they hoist the Lombardi Trophy because the old adage, of course, uh, coach, as you well know, is that defense uh, wins uh, championships. The 49ers uh, came in with a much heralded uh, defense. Actually, this was. Uh, build as a battle of a defense from San Francisco against offense from uh, KC, but uh, it was the offense that prevailed this time around. Well, and not just the offense, but the offensive line. And I thought the, the line play on both teams was great. But what the Chiefs did in the in the second half in uh, sort of neutralizing Nick Bosa, who was just who was really had a great first half, but sort of having his way with them in the in the uh, in the first half, they made adjustments uh, to Bosa and they really neutralized him. So I thought they, you know, they're the unsung heroes of this victory for, uh, for Kansas city. And I know they're, they're like, uh, Kansas city's they, they strike like lightning. I mean, just look at those first two playoff games they had at home, how their offenses came. They came back from 24 down, 24 points down, uh, or 20 points down in the, in the, in the, uh, uh, in the first game against Houston. And, uh, you know, just, just like that. And then the same with Tennessee, it, they strike so quickly. It, it just, before you know it, uh, like San Francisco, they look like a deer in the headlights. Uh, after this, the, the last six minutes of the game. All right, so is this the start of a dynasty, do you think, for KC, for the uh, Chiefs? Are they perhaps going to become the new New England Patriots? 
Hard to say. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's so much harder to have dynasties now because when you look at, uh, you know, back in the day when the Cowboys, the Steelers, you know, and, uh, and, and other teams really dominated the league, uh, there was little movement. There wasn't free agency. There was not the kind of movement there is now. Uh, there, there's so much uh, uh, player movement now that that, that's, that, that is really um, why, why there's so much parity in the league. So it's really tough. Uh, you take for t- you take Kansas City to repeat, or you, you take the field for next year. I'm the worst better in the world, but I'm going to take the field. <laughs> All right. And uh, finally, uh, can Leafs fans can they take anything from this victory? It was 50 years in the making for Kansas City to win a uh, Super Bowl, and of course, it's been 50 in a little bit since we've seen the uh, Stanley Cup uh, here. As a matter of fact, it's interesting. I'm just looking at a headline in front of me here, uh, Coach, that says a uh, Kansas City Super Bowl celebrations last night could be seen on weather radar. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, awesome. You know, it, it, it's all about the playoffs. Like the, Going into the playoffs, there are a lot of people that have a lot of doubts about Kansas City's defense, and they, they really can't rose to the occasion to the, the entire, and I hate to use that cliche, but they, they really played above their, their pay grade uh, in, during the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. So so something really, if the, if the Leafs get into the playoffs, something really special has to happen, and, and not saying that it can't. But if something special does, then, yeah, who knows? All right. Oh, by the way, did you hear anything uh, else about Kapanen? He was a, a healthy scratch on Saturday, and the uh, team uh, would only say afterwards that it was uh, was an internal discipline issue or something? He slept in. Yeah. <laughs> he missed. He missed. He, he missed uh, and, and this is, and this is uh, apparently, this isn't the first time it happened. It happened with, with the Marlies. And I think, uh, you know, uh, uh, the Leafs have, uh, he, he explained to the media, this morning that uh, he's he's had a problem sleeping in and that's what happened. So they uh, they they healthy scratch him and it's tough because you know I know you know with the trade uh, deadline coming up you, you healthy scratch a guy like him you know the whole you know Twitter goes off thinking that they've made a deal but it was no it was it really was discipline there's no deal imminent deal. All right, Kasperi, uh Siri is your <laughs> best alarm. friend here. You you said not only one, not only two, but maybe three alarms. Okay. And I have a friend phony. That's the other thing. Somebody should have phoned. Like somebody should have gone and got him. That's 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 easy. so. As a coach, you give some of the, some of his teammates help too because somebody should have uh, somebody should have dragged his ass out of bed. Yeah, you got to have your teammates back. So that's for sure. That's right. All right, coach. Appreciate it. Thanks as always, my friend. Thanks for having me, pal. All right, there goes the coach, Tim Cunningham. Of course, when it comes to the uh, Super Bowl, the game is only half the story. The other half is the halftime show this year featuring J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, and Shakira. Here's our music expert, Eric Elper, who joins us now for this part of the story here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Eric, uh, what would you think of the halftime show? Well, Jeff, I am now a millionaire because I bet that Jennifer Lopez and Shakira combined would have more than 12 changing of the outfits. And I bet $100,000, I bet the over, and I am so wealthy today, I don't even know what to do with it. Um, I don't, I, hey, you know what? It, it was the first on so many great levels. It was the first all Latin uh, performers. It was one of the first times in modern history that you had um, just women up there on the stage headlining. Um, it was a political um, snide little jabbing at Donald Trump throughout 
Um, but other than that, I thought it was a highly entertaining show. Yeah, let's talk about the uh, politics for a second since you bring that up, because a lot of people are reading into J-Lo bringing her 12-year-old daughter, Emmy, onto a stage, and uh, they sang Springsteen's Born in the USA. Yeah, there were a couple of things that, that happened symbolically. Now, both Jennifer Lopez and Shakira have not acknowledged that this is actually what they meant other than what we saw. So we all might be reading a little bit more into it. But, you know, Shakira, when she was doing her rope dance, had it tied around in and made it kind of seem like she was acting out the moments of being a slave when the when the rope was around her wrist and her body. Now, that just might be a sexual connotation more than anything else. Um, but a lot of people on Twitter especially picked up on the way that she was holding it. Also, with Jennifer Lopez, during one of her segments, when she brought out all the kids, and it looked like that it was like a ball that was in lights, but it was actually kind of kids in cages that could be kind of perceived as a knock against Donald Trump putting those immigrant children in cages and locking them up. Again, we don't know if that's really what she meant or if it was just a way to get a whole bunch of lights on stage. But, you know, uh, I'm guessing that this is really Jennifer Lopez and Shakira's way to, uh, to, to take a stand without being so overly adverted by that. All right. Politics aside, what did you make of uh, both performances? Just the, the pure spectacle was just, I mean, we're used to the big, big performances and big, big productions during the Super Bowl uh, halftime. Last night seemed to take it, uh, I think, uh, up another notch or to another level. Yeah, and that's what you have to do at the Super Bowl. You know, even Bruce Springsteen and his energetic three-hour show has to, you know, take it up to another level or Prince because you're not just playing to the people in the back of the arena. You're playing to almost a billion people um, watching it through the TV. Um, you know, with Jennifer Lopez, it just seemed like it was the greatest Las Vegas um, reality show that you've ever seen. They had a lot of glitz, a lot of glamour, while Shakira brought a little bit more of the Latin music, a little bit more Colombian-style dances, a little bit more culture to uh, to the performance. But I think both equally, the fact that they were up there during the halftime, during you know one of the biggest performances of the year ever on television, I think it's just a momentous feat. And, and you know, kudos to the NFL for doing it because from the very beginning when they started to show that film about um, – the owners of, this, of the NFL teams reading out the Constitution. It just seemed like it was very much going to be a, that was the old NFL, the one where people were kneeling. That was before. Now we're here to celebrate America for all its diversity, and Jennifer Lopez and Shakira certainly brought that to the forefront. All right. Also, on top of the halftime show, the other big performance each and every Super Bowl is the national anthem. Demi Lovato was the choice of this year. I thought she did an amazing job. I thought it was a really good vocal. Yeah, whoever her agent and manager is doing a fine job. Not only did um, she have an emotional spot at the Grammy Awards, uh, but then only a couple of days later she gets to sing uh, the national anthem, and I thought it was a a pitch-perfect performance. And so far the audience is reacting to all three women. In fact, all three women are well over 5,000% higher in the next in the last 24 hours when it comes to streams and downloading um it's led by whenever wherever by shakira um she sold over 4,000 copies so far in 24 hours of that single and it just looks like that is not going to stop for the next couple of days for all three female performers yeah i wonder how relieved they all are 
here today, the, the day yeah. after the day that was, because there's so much hype, there's so much buildup, uh, not only for the teams, uh, obviously, but for these performances, and in particular the halftime uh, performance, that uh, they must just be breathing a sigh of relief that it went off well and it's done. It has to be so nerve-wracking. I mean, every second is timed. Every second is thought out of the 12-minute performance. Even something that looks like it's, thought of on the spot where Shakira jumped into the crowd. That's all planned. But as you know, things happen. You have weather to take care of. You have air conditioning. You have, you know, bruises and bumps and people um, and the cast of hundreds for everything to go right. So I would imagine that afterward there was a giant sigh of relief and high fives all around because it really was a perfect performance. You know, I forgot about that part of the Shakira performance when she literally uh, crowd surfs, but uh, I was at a party watching the game and some Somebody uh, mentioned that, oh, I noticed those are actually not crowd members, but the background dancers. They actually got down and they were the ones passing around. But still, though, you know, just the fact that it's, just, it, it, it's a miracle sometimes that anything goes off without a hitch with productions like these. It's why you have lip syncing. It's why you can only have lip syncing during certain performance of the song, because it's just physically inhuman impossible um, to sing and dance like that at the same time or without having any technical glitches in front of a billion people. And the risk is never worth it. Yeah, but uh, as you mentioned, the streams and uh, you, you look at the, the day after when you nail it, when you've got a performance, it's immeasurable. I know there's a lot of talk each and every year that the Super Bowl performers don't really get compensated or certainly anywhere near what they deserve to be compensated when you consider just how big of a, a commercial enterprise the Super Bowl is. But it, it's amazing how this uh, pays off when it comes to uh, download streams, uh, concert tickets down the road. Yeah, not that much though. You know, when when you consider, I mean, leading up to the to the week in Miami, they had a uh, there was a, a Lady Gaga private concert. Um, our our old friend Post Malone did a show that he was rumored to get paid over a million dollars for it. Um, those private showcases certainly bring home a lot more bank than appearing on the Super Bowl, but. The one thing that the artist wants more than anything else is to be remembered and have their songs placed in a certain moment of history. Forevermore, in 2020, Shakira and Jennifer Lopez will be always talked about as having one of the great Super Bowl performances. And no matter how much money you pay them, because both of them are very wealthy on their own, um, that's what counts. It's the actual legacy part of it that means more than just uh, writing a blank check to them. It's a pretty cool thing to have in your resume, without a doubt. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Hi, I'm Jennifer Lopez, and this is my CV. Yeah. <laughs> Eric, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much. No problem. Thanks for having me, There Jeff. goes music expert Eric Elper with us.